Hi, I'm Ewan Blakey, Senior Pastor of Oasis Church. I hope this message gives you hope and helps you take your next step on your Christian journey. We'd love to invite you to come and see us in person at 10 a.m. on Sundays or join us live every Sunday on YouTube. For more info, visit our website, oasischurchperth.com. For those that don't know me, my name is Carla. Um, my husband and I, so Johnny was just leading the worship just before. We've been at Oasis for just over 12 months now. And this is our home. And we love it. We love what God is doing here. We love the people that are here. Uh, we love our pastors. We love um, what he's doing in our lives since we've been here. Um, Johnny and I have been married... What's the date today? <laughs> the 6th. What's our anniversary? Uh, almost 17 years. Next week, on the 12th, we will be um, married for 17 years. I'm just reminding you that it's your turn this year, Johnny. Um, it alternate. Oh, is it my turn? I, it's been so long that I don't even remember. Um, we have three beautiful boys, Kingston, Eli, and Reuben. You may have seen them uh, probably playing basketball. If you haven't seen them, You've definitely heard them at some point. Or maybe you've heard me raising my voice a little bit towards my beautiful boys to stop bouncing the ball through the church, through the auditorium, at home, in the bedroom, in the kitchen. You probably heard me. So that is my three wonderful boys. Uh, I am a teacher. I currently teach. Woo! And, and um, I can see all my colleagues and my, my students and everything is so cool. Welcome, welcome. Um, so I am a teacher, I've been teaching for quite a long time. I used to be a primary teacher, now I'm in high school, which I absolutely just love. Before I was married, I had a really easy teacher name. My name was Miss Godfrey. Isn't that easy? Miss Godfrey, so easy, until I got married. <laughs> Thank you, mother and father-in-law, for passing this super long name to my husband, who then I inherited it, obviously, when I got married. So I went from Miss Godfrey to Mrs. Vasukilakal. <laughs> it has about 27,000 letters in it. Um, like I said, 17 years of marriage, I still have to spell it out every time I write it. V-A-S-U-K-I-C-A-K-A-U. Yeah, well done, me. I got it. Uh, it's super long. It's not easy pr to pronounce. I always, when I uh, teach a new class, I write it on the board and I'm like 20 points for whoever can pronounce it properly and nobody ever can because the Fijian language, a C-A, people will say it looks like a cup, but it's actually the, T-H-A, so it's so confusing. So I go by Mrs. V, I go by Mrs. Vasu. Sometimes I get Mrs. Instead of Vasu kill the cow, I get Vasu kick the cow, I get kill the cow, I get, I get everything under the sun. So, who knows, right, that with that name, when you have to fill out a form, it takes ages. So, we are going on a trip in December. We are going for a family reunion to Fiji. Yes! We're going for a holiday. And um, who knows that since no one's really travelled in ages, that if... I'd go home and check your passport, guys. It's probably expired, okay? So out of the five of us, out of the five of us, four of us need new passports. Yes, I see lots of nods, yeah. Do you feel my pain right now? Not only because uh, passports are expensive, yeah? If 
passports are expensive. And not only because the whole um, process of getting one is quite lengthy, right? Yes, <laughs> we can have a few amens to that. And you've got to wait. But add the fact that you have a surname with 20,000 letters, that when you're renewing it and having to fill in forms, it takes a very long time. Yes? Do you feel my pain? Nobody feels my pain. Okay. <laughs> People with long names feel my pain. So I, we had to do four passports, renew them, thought we'd do it online, thought it would be easier, just as long. Okay? Just takes just as long. And um, along with that, obviously, we need new passport photos. Probably the most traumatic experience of my life, getting passport photos for that man over there, my husband, and three young boys in a passport office, in a, in, sorry, in the post office, okay? So there's like, I like to exaggerate with numbers, okay? There was about 50,000 people in the, in the post office wanting to renew their passports. We wanted to get photos. Um, you know, you're not allowed to smile. Did you know? Yeah, we all know that. You're not allowed to smile. You're not allowed to, like, show your teeth and smile and do all those kind of things. So I can see people already understanding my pain because I have these boys um, who have a dad, so the lady's like, don't smile. And then there is Johnny hiding behind the cars going... making noises, doing everything he possibly could to make them smile and laugh. And it just took about so much longer than it needed to, to get these photos. And then Johnny went up and then they're doing the same because, you know, like father, like son, and they're making fart noises. And it just took so long. This, this, it, can you tell how much it, it affected me? Anyway, so a passport is an important document. And to obtain one, you need to do this lengthy process of that, but ID checks. You need to prove who you are to get your passport. So with the boys, we needed birth certificate, needed a marriage certificate. You need to show like a Medicare card. You need to do this, you need to do that. You have this long list of um, things before you can get this passport to show who you are. You also need someone else to verify who you are. They need to prove who they are with their passport number. So there's a lot of um, ID checks going on. Now, the scripture that I'm going to share today, when I first read it, thank you, Pastor Christy, like, yes, so not as easy when you first read it um, as it seems, but it reminds me, it reminded me of this whole process of, um, of an ID check. So as I read through 1 John, there was these like, I just pictured these tick boxes of um, if you love God, this is what it would look like. And hopefully today as I share with you, you will see and maybe it might, um, might stir something in you and go, ooh, I didn't realise that or oh, I'm not doing that the best I can. So the title of my message today is Identity Check. When I first read over 1 John, like I said, I was like, oh, what on earth? John jumps around through all of 1 John, um, explaining things here and there and everything, and it's not in a linear or logical way. Now, I'm a teacher. <laughs> I like things in a linear, logical, step-by-step -step way. Does anybody else? Yeah, yeah there's, there's two other people. That's great. Um, but he uses this uh, technique, and it's called amplification. 
and I like to picture it as a spirograph. I have a picture of a spirograph. Who remembers these? <laughs> yeah, totally, probably mainly from the 80s, I reckon. Um, and when I read through 1 John, this is what my head was a little bit like <laughs> going around. But he, John has a few things that he wants to communicate through this book about life, truth, and love. Okay? And what he does is he cycles around each of them. So life, truth, love. And then he goes back around. And every time he goes, continues writing, he comes with a different angle or a different emphasis on what love is and how it looks. So last week, Sally shared part of 1 John. I'm probably going to go like this and, and maybe um, cycle around something that she said. And you'll find over the next few weeks that will keep happening. But each time with a different angle or emphasis, and hopefully God will say something different to each one of you um, each week. Uh, John uses something called hyperboles. Does anyone do, do hands up? You know what a hyperbole is? <laughs> Two people, yes. So at the moment, I'm, I'm teaching um, figurative language in my class um, about poetry and things like that. When I first read that word, I was like, hypo, what did I say? Hyper, now I know how to say it. I can't say it how I used to say it. Anyway, so a hyperbole is an exaggerated statement and not to be taken literally. For example, um, I'm dying of laughter, okay? Exaggerated, you're not dying. It's just really funny, okay? Or I could eat a horse, okay? You're really hungry. You're not actually going to eat a horse. So just remember that because we are going to come across our hyperbole later, uh, soon, very soon, not later, very soon. Okay, <laughs> so Sally kicked us off beautifully last week with um, the beginning of 1 John. I'm going to be looking mainly at 1 John 3 today and parts of it. Through the whole book, he's mainly talking about God is light and God is love and that children should avoid hatred and should love one another. And that's where I'm going today. So I'm going to read to you the whole uh, part of the first part. So that's going to come up. 1 John 3, starting at verse 11 to 15. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or a sister is a murderer. So there's one of those hyperboles, that exaggerated statement, but we'll talk about that in a minute. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. So the beginning of this scripture starts like this. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. So what is that message that they heard from the beginning? So remember, John is talking to a group of people uh, in home churches, there was a group of people that left and he's addressing the people that are still there. So these people have heard all about Jesus. They've, um, they're learning all this stuff. And so when he says, this is the message you've heard from the beginning, he's reminding them, if we go back to the book of John, not one John, after the Last Supper, Jesus is talking to his disciples and there he's talking about um, 
that he is the vine and we are the branches connected to, that, to him. And he ends with, um, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So that's what he's talking about there. Verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love each other. So you'll find, sorry, it's the teacher in me. I'm break, so I gave you the part of the scripture we're talking about and I'm going to just break down each part because um, I can't help it, okay? <laughs> it's, it's built in me and it's very logical and linear, not like John. Okay, um, so here we know that we have a relationship with God. We know that we are born again because we love other people. We've come out of death into life because we love other people. Verse 15 goes on. Anyone who hates a brother or a sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Now, when I read that, I was like, whoa, that's heavy. What does he mean here? And then when I did my research and saw that he uses exaggerated statements, obviously, if you hate someone, you haven't gone out and murdered them. But to hate a brother is to murder him in our hearts. That's heavy, isn't it? That's really heavy. Though we may not carry out the action, we may wish a person to be dead. Or by ignoring another person, we may treat them as though they are dead. Hatred can be shown passively or actively. You might be thinking of someone right now and you might be thinking, oh, I don't actually really hate them <laughs> now that we've read that. It's, oh, it's not hate. But there may be some animosity, maybe some hostility with someone. And if you have that towards anyone, then that's the flesh that's operating. <laughs> right? That's just us. That's our heart. That's our flesh operating. If you have animosity or you're avoiding someone or or you're ignoring someone, that is, that, is not, that is not God. That is not the Holy Spirit. That's not how he works. That's how our flesh works. Sometimes when I dwell on, let's say, I'm annoyed or angry and I've got it, it's in here, and I dwell on it too long, that becomes hate <laughs> because then I don't want to be around that person. I'm avoiding that person. I'm, I'm ignoring that person. And we have to capture that straight away, those feelings straight away. And we have to ask the Holy Spirit to uh, shine a light on those things. So when that does pop in, that straight away you've got that, oh, I shouldn't have this. I don't want to dwell on this because this is going to turn into hate. And um, a little while back I had a misunderstanding with someone uh, at work. There was a misunderstanding between the two of us. And this person thought that I'd um, really offended them and uh, they told me. And then I kind of went away and I was like, what? That's rubbish. Like, <laughs> I didn't do that. I didn't say that. And um, I kind of wanted to hold on to it, kind of be annoyed. And then I was like, I had this little tapping <laughs> on my heart saying, no, go sort that out. Go fix that. Because if you don't, what's it going to turn into? The Holy Spirit prompts us and prods and tells us, hang on, sort this out, sort this out. So I was like, ugh. Because I didn't want to because I didn't think I did anything wrong. But 
Johnny reminded me as I was sharing this, just remind the people that I also reminded you, you should go and apologize. <laughs> so credit to the husband <laughs> who wanted that nice little um, acknowledgement there. <laughs> and um, yes, <laughs> I was going to yes, okay, don't. Um, so I, I did. I did because I didn't want to allow division. I didn't want to allow those things to um, tear apart and, and um, plant those seeds of um, hate and not um, loving each other. So I did. I apologised. I said, I'm really sorry if that's the way it came across. I didn't mean to. And I tried to. What they do with that then, that's on them. Yeah. Right? But I know that I took that step that God was telling me to do. Um, the only reason I reckon, I reckon if this had happened maybe two years ago, I would have left that there. And the difference is that I've, the last six months, what God is doing here, what God is doing in this place, not just in this place, but in my heart, in our lives, in, in lots of people's lives, is the Holy Spirit is so present in here, in our hearts, that before I would have left that, I would have watered it, I would have... Um, let it stew in my mind, I would have been like, yeah, no, I'm not apologising. That person deserves that, like to feel that way. I don't care. But something is different now. Something is different now where he is, um, I can't escape that, that little voice or that tapping going, no, fix it. This is, not, this is not what I want. This is not what I want. And my prayer the, for, for a while now, every time I'm here, but also on my way to work in the morning, I all, I'm, my prayer, the words coming out of my mouth is, you're welcome here. You're welcome, not just here in this place or in our house, you're welcome in here. And you'll find that when you make that prayer, shish, things change. The things that you say, the things that you do will change. Wow, I'm watching that, that clock. Okay, come on, Carla. Right. Oh, goodness me. Um, let's go on. So, verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, sometimes when we read that, we think that laying down our lives is giving up everything in this big, great, dramatic, heroic, massively sacrificial gesture. And sometimes it might be. But don't despise the small gestures, okay? The small opportunities every day to show love and to lay down your life and show love. What is love? I felt um, led to share this with you today, this scripture. It's, it's off 1 John. But when we're talking about love, what is love? So in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, it should pop up. up. There it is. Now, we've all been told to do this. I remember when I first started going to church and I heard someone share Put your name in that place. Put your name in that place where it says love. And ask yourself, is this how you're loving others? Not just people in your family. Not just people who you like. Everyone. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered when that basketball bounces. Um, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. 
That's what love is. That's what love is. Verse 17. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. Let's not talk the talk. Let's walk the walk. Love is not um, an inward feeling. It, it's, it's, it's an outward thing. It's, it's showing people. It's not just saying, oh, I really love that person. Oh, if you need anything, let me know. Because that's so easy to say. Isn't it? And I'm guilty of that. Saying, oh, knowing someone's heard, if you need anything, just shout out. But put those words into action and go out, do something without them asking or telling you what their need is. If you have the ability to meet someone's needs and do nothing to meet those needs, then how can you say you love that person? Now, Joyce May, I was listening to something recently, and she said, when you think about helping the poor people in need, give yourself a new definition. Not just that person who um, can't pay that bill or that has nothing. Don't look at it like that. But give yourself a new definition of poor to broaden the base of people you can help. Someone who has a need and no way of meeting that need themselves. Someone who has less than you do. Now, who knows that when you're preparing for something like a message or, or a connect group and whatever it is you're talking about, usually <laughs> the Lord will go, okay, let's see if you're going to put this into action. And a couple of weeks ago, I got a phone call while I was at work. And uh, it was from a friend I hadn't seen in a very long time. And um, there was an emergency. And this person really needed me, but I was at work. But it was urgent. So I went to my boss. I was like, I really have to go. He's like, yep, go. And I went to this person. And I did what I could that day. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. This is loving. You know, this person needs me. Um, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to do this. But then by the end of that day, I realized that this need wasn't just going to be that day. This need, this ur actually like urgency, was going to be a week or two of, of support. Then my flesh started saying, oh, but you can't do that. <laughs> like, that's inconvenient, <laughs> right? You can't do that. Like, that's too hard. You're not, that, that's going to require little bit too much like yes you can do that this day this is how my mind was going and especially because two days later Johnny was flying out to Kalgoorlie for a week and um, I was just trying to figure out how am I going to do this how am I going to do this and God was like you can do this I'm going to do it with you you are going to love this person no matter what their need is support. It's not money. It's not this. Their need is support and love and encouragement and you're going to be able to do it. And even Johnny went away and he was calling me and he's like, you sound okay. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. He's like, I was expecting like, I can't do this. And I don't know, maybe that's what he gets a lot of. Um, but he... he um, he kept encouraging me every day. He's like, man, you're doing well. Like, I'm really surprised. And I'm like, me too. And yeah, and me too. But this person like needed, had less than me, had less support than me and just needed that extra help. 
Um, Philippians 2, 3, 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. That's not easy. That's not easy. Um, verse 19 to 24. This is a new little section here. Um, if our hearts condemn us, let's read it. This is how we know that we belong in the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive anything from him that we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. Now, when I first read that, I was like, this is like so, I don't understand this. Um, if our hearts condemn us, what is that talking about? And God is bigger than that, oh my goodness. But when we read about the heart in the Bible, it's usually referring to someone's emotions or desires when, when we hear about the heart. And when John says that he, God is greater than our hearts, he's telling us that God is greater than our desires, he's greater than our emotions, he's greater than our convictions, he's greater than um, that guilt, he's bigger than that. Now our heart, let's go for another reference back to the 80s, is a little bit like a mood ring. Can I have my picture? Okay, who remembers those? <laughs> who remembers those? Not many people. Yes, they're probably still around. It's a little bit like... Um, a mood ring because mood rings they say that the change color uh, based on like it's really it's just all about how hot or cold your body is it's not really predicting anything we all know that I'm not saying go out and buy a mood ring okay that's not what I'm saying I'm saying that those things like <laughs> let's just get that clear um, that our heart is like a mood ring okay that you know when it's like we might be happy or we might be sad or we're excited. And Proverbs 4.22 says, Above all else, guard, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Okay? Guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. What we need to do what we need to do is not let our heart control how we love people. Based on if we're having a good day, then oh, I can love you today. I've had a bad morning, sorry. I've got nothing to give to you today. What we need to do, and this is, we're probably thinking how though, how can we do that? I'll show you how. Your mood ring, your heart should look like this. Does that, does that, is that, does this make sense? Does it make sense this morning? Because our heart, um, it's, is our flesh. And we are going to, um, unfortunately, we are led by that. So if we are having a really tough day, or it's um, our kids have set us off, or someone said something really mean, or, or we've got, um, hurt and it's come back up and we no, I can't do this today, I can't love today but if we are asking the Holy Spirit every day asking Jesus, you're taking up that cross every day 
then he is in that heart that is flesh that is trying to fight with us where we want to be led by our emotions but it should be no matter how we're feeling our heart should be led by the Holy Spirit